Welcome to a night of total terror. To the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 13, Robocop from 1987. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror, sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. It's great to be back with you. Uh, we've had a little bit of a, a delay on this episode. Sorry about that, guys, but... Uh, Due to unforeseen circumstances beyond my control, um, but we're back now. And of course, we're looking at Paul Verhoeven's classic Robocop. Now, before I introduce my guest, let's have a little listen to the trailer. We've got a volunteer. The body is on the way. Sure. All Detroit has a cancer. Cancer is crime. Turn and roll. As you know, we've entered into a contract with the city to run local law enforcement. We were able to save the left arm. What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? We get the best of both worlds. Onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. Hey, Lewis, it's Supercop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. What are they gonna do, replace us? Murphy, it's you. Go get him, boy. Thank you. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Anything you say may be used against you. You better break up, help! Your move, creep. The future of law enforcement. Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. All right, then. Now we're back on the Undead Wookiee after listening to the trailer. And I have with me once again my brother from another mother, Mr. Leighton Winston. How are you, my good friend? Dude, <laughs> it has been too long it's been a bit emotional sorting this one out haven't it oh my god uh, we must thank those kind people at a certain internet provider company a company for uh, failing failing to comply with what they said they were going to do but hey ho we are here at last finally it is and one lesson i have learned is next day delivery one doesn't always mean next day delivery also where it says simple instructions Simple instructions, possibly for somebody like, I don't know, Stephen Hawkins, because <laughs> nothing fucking worked at all. <laughs> oh, I just love it, isn't it? It's like what they used to call in the 80s, hi-fi hi instructions. If you could understand hi-fi instructions, you could do anything. Now, it's broadband instructions. You can sort that out. Or You're a genius. programming your VHS. Oh, yeah. Video Plus, that was the future. And the Video one, Plus was the future. The one that totally, totally messed me up was Long Play. Oh, 
God. Uh, I've got this copy of um, uh, Bill and Ted's um, Bogus Journey, but it's on long play. What the hell was long play? They made a three-hour tape last six hours. <laughs> anyway. Nonsense. Nonsense. We are here today anyway. to discuss the classic, the 1987 Paul Verhoeven classic, Robocop. Indeed. Indeed. Probably one of the most quotable films ever committed to celluloid. Oh, it's, I mean, watching it, and it was really interesting because my wife had never actually seen Robocop. She's never seen it. And watching her face, watching this was just amazing. Um, <laughs> and I've got the extended cut, um, which we'll come on to in a bit. <laughs> and let's say the boardroom scene. Um, oh, man. Just, I, just goes I must on. have watched. I, I, yeah, well, I, I watched this obviously, you know, because I've seen it a hundred times. But in you know watching this, to said make make you know double make sure my notes were correct and what I was talking about was right. The version I saw was way more violent than I remember, oh. especially the death of Kinney. So yes. it must have been the extended version. Yes. Oh, the extended version. Honestly, it is just, it is a thing of beauty. It is a thing of beauty. Um, I certainly did. I, I certainly don't remember seeing his legs get shot to pieces. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, we'll come on to that in a second. But let's look at that. You know, let's have a look at the cast. Of course, it was yes. directed by Paul Verhoeven. And this is... Yes. Probably, I think it is. Yeah, no, it is his very, very first uh, major Hollywood film. I mean, yes. Before this, he'd he made, done. Uh, he did I, make Flesh and Blood, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And now I quite like Flesh and Blood. Um, I haven't seen it for years and years, but I imagine it's tits in medieval times, basically. There's a lot of blue boobs, and there's a lot of blood, and. Yes. Let's just say it's it kind of gets all a bit rapey in parts. Uh, <laughs> it's, there's a very very there's, he walks a fine line, does Mister Vernhoven? And well, yeah, and his, his latest film um, with Isabel Hapat is um, still, Ellie, isn't it? Yeah, Ellie's. I still haven't I, seen it. I still haven't seen no, it. No, no me, no me. But apparently, it's it's uh, supposed to be it's supposed to be astonishing, actually. You know. Yeah, and, yeah, and, um, and I think somebody actually said it's handled the subject matter is handled very deftly, which when you think of Verhoeven, subtlety well, is not. Uh, Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. And I, as is my want with when we do these things, is um, like looking at the films that he's made. You know, when after this he made Total Recall. It's you know, yeah. and then and then he went to like Basic Instinct, which <laughs> you know at the time was controversial. Yeah, um, completely. It it's it sort of open people's eyes to a lot of things that happened in America, which has been happening for years and years and years and years. But of course, as soon as a crazy Dutchman makes a film about it, oh yeah, of course. And you see my and then you see Michael Douglas's bare flabby arse on screen, then it's a scandal, isn't it? You know? What's even more terrifying than his bare flabby arse is his V neck jumper. <laughs> in the nightclub scene. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like what somebody's it's like somebody's creepy drunken uncle has just sort of <laughs> 
sauntered in, you know, he's, you know, <laughs> his oh, sleeves yeah. are rolled up and he means business. It's... Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then after that, he made probably one of the most bizarre films ever in Showgirls. I, do you know what? I've I only mean... ever seen Showgirls once. And honestly, I just could not get my head around it in any way, shape or form. No, it's just bizarre. And the budget on that film is astronomical. It is. For what is, what is essentially a film about strippers. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it. That is it. But oh, it's, it's, it, I, I think it's sullied the reputation of Verhoeven a little bit, basically. Yeah, it's, it's taken him a long and... time to recover. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, Basic Instinct, at least we forget, is a pretty effective thriller for what it is, isn't it? Yeah, completely, yeah, yeah. But then you go from, like, you know, quite an edgy ad- adult thriller to a film which is really quite preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it is, it's crap, it's a crap film. No. There's no two, there's no two ways about it. It's Kyle McLaughlin's in it, isn't he? Not Kyle, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Kyle yeah, McLaughlin's Agent... in it. And Agent Cooper. Agent Cooper, yeah. And the girl from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> the tall, annoying one from Saved by the Bell. That's right. The preppy one, you know, yeah. the one that frustrated everybody. Not in this film. No. Anyway, um, right. after, that, then, after that, he made Starship Troopers. No, I love Starship Troopers. I, I, have, I really love, love Starship. Have you read the book? No, I've never read it. The never book it. is like, it is a right-wing fascist's wet dream. It is... Um, <laughs> a lot like the film, then. A lot like the film, yeah. <laughs> but the film at least got the irony. This, yes. Um, yeah. The book doesn't in any way, shape or form. It is... It, it's it, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. <laughs> I've, got a, well, I've got a paperback f- here somewhere, and it is bizarre. Well, the, f- the film is... Um, well, with really, really attractive people sent to space to fight the most disgusting creatures you'll ever see. Yeah. <laughs> um, with 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 sex, again, yes, yes, and 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 satirical adverts again, yes, and you know it's it's fantastic. It's and a mixed showers film, mixed showers. Ah, now we'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll come back to that because in in all amongst our notes and everything, yes, very much so. Um, I mean, nineteen eighty-seven. We've covered eighty-seven already, mind. Yes, we, we, have, to, we have. With um, with Predator, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, so we've talked about the films released that year. This film was made for at the time still quite a big budget of thirteen million dollars. Yeah, it's a big, you know, it, and you can see actually because oh, when yeah. you look at it. It, ha- it, it 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 doesn't. I mean that okay. Ed two or nine, um, the stop motion looks a bit clunkier, um, yeah. and, the, and particularly on Blu-ray, it's fairly unforgiving on it. But actually, yeah. Yeah. the overall look of this film is um, it's incredible. It's amazing, and you know it, it it was it was really successful film, wasn't it? You know, oh yeah, it, it, it just fifty three million, like you know. That's 50, great. 53 million. That's that's a, that's like an 18 certificate film, like a VR rating as it is in America, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. You know, and that's that's really quite impressive, you know. But I think the biggest plus of Robocop is that it knows what it's doing. 
Yes, oh, it's completely. a sci-fi film. It's completely. a sci-fi film, but the thing is, there's that black streak of humour going all the way through it. Yeah. You know? But this is the thing, and what I was sort of, you know, obviously doing... You know, I think it's fair to say that we've both fairly gone to tone in our research for this one. Um, Absolutely. But um, there are a couple people, when it came out, didn't get it. And there's an app, and I've got to read this to you. This is a quote, um, and it was by the film critic Maggie Anderson. And she was writing in the London Evening Standard, right? Right. Now... Listen to this. This is her. This is a. This is a chunk of her review. She writes, and I quote: "I want my money back. I want my time back. Most of all, I want my innocence back. Uh, there are some things I can live without knowing, and one is what it looks like when someone has his hand shot off at close range, <laughs> in full colour, on a large screen." Right, that's not the end of that quote, that, that one, because it goes on for quite a while. But for me, when I read that bit, I absolutely wet myself. And <laughs> there's another guy, um, I can't remember, I don't know what he wrote for, but his name is Harlan Ellison. Right? Now, he's clearly a posh boy. Anybody yeah. called Harlan, you know, it's right up there with Tarquin. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I, I'll, you know, if anybody who is listening... Um, it's called Tarquin. Chances are you're a cunt anyway. So, um... <laughs> um, you know, but Harlan Ellison, he writes this. It is a film about and intended for no less than brutes. Really? <laughs> yes. He, in 1987, somebody was still referring to people as brutes. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Take the stick out of your ass. That's obviously been inserted <laughs> sideways, my friend. Yeah. So Goodness me. You can clearly see that there were certain elements of the press who who didn't get it, who just didn't get it. But I love that. I want my time back. I want, but most importantly, I want my innocence back. <laughs> Oh yeah, and this is somebody right who probably saw the the Exorcist the first time round and thought, "Oh, that's perfectly acceptable." Yes, yeah, yeah. Or would describe oh. something like "I spit on your grave" as a feminist film. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. Yes. When we look at RoboCop, I mean, the first thing you look at is you know what a really great cast. It's oh, a it's brilliant amazing. cast, and I mean, it's a fantastic cast. Now, obviously, you've got Peter Weller. As Murphy. Um, now I've had to really train myself hard to not say Paul Weller. Um, <laughs> no, there's, there's a distinct difference. There is a very big two. difference, but I have, you know, but Peter Weller, of course, at this time he was more known for Buckaroo Banzai, um, absolutely, which I love. is a great film. is a great film, but it's a big leap between Buckaroo Banzai and Robocop and the performance that he gives here. Um, oh yeah, it's, 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 it's almost like a complete and then total one eighty, isn't it? Oh, completely. And then you've got Nancy Allen as uh, as Lewis. You've got uh-huh. Ronnie Cox uh, as Dick Jones. Now, obviously, lots of people saw Ronnie Cox as the captain in the Beverly Hills Cop films, and 
I always remember him and, just... You, come on, then. And Deliverance. Yes. Yes. I, I forgot about Deliverance, actually. I'd forgotten about Deliverance. Um, <laughs> but you always think of him as being, like, a really good guy. Yeah. You well, know, in this film, he's a complete shit. Yes, he is. He is. He's a total shitbag. And then you've got, and I think he does steal the film here, is Kurtwood Smith as oh my Clarence Bodiger. Clarence Bodiger. Clarence Bodiger should have had his own franchise over Robocop, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Clarence Bodiger is up there with the greatest bad men of all time. I think in so. Film. Completely. I He's, think. He, Kurt, I don't think people give the credit that is due to Kurtwood Smith as an actor because pretty much people know Kurtwood Smith as the dad from that 70s show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong, we're of a generation and there's a lot of people like us who remember Kurtwood Smith as being Clarence Bodiger. Yes, yes, of course. But, you know, it's, it, it's one of those ones, again, when you, t- you tend to think, well, hang on now, Kurtwood Smith really should have been in more films than he actually is. Yeah, yeah, completely. Or was, you know. He, te- he, te- he, he, he tended to stick to TV, didn't he? And, you know, good on the guy. But yeah. The, my, my God, he's so... Magn- from the first time you see him, when he's going through all the burnt money and he's just losing his marbles. Yeah, and I mean, he's and, such a nasty piece of work. Of course he is. He's he, total utter disregard for anything or anyone or anywhere. It doesn't matter where he is, whether it's the back of a van, whether he's in a, a disused factory, whether he's in, <laughs> you know, the CEO's office of like yes. a major corporation. He just doesn't give a flying fuck for nothing. No, and no. I respect Clarence Bodiger for that. But, oh my days, Clarence, Clarence Bodiger, what a character. Oh, he's loves brilliant. His scarves, loves scarves and ties. yes. Yes. Throughout the film, he's always got a tie or a scarf on, which I I thought that's really weird. But anyway. Yeah. The um, other one, of course, is Miguel, um, who recently, sadly, passed away. It was indeed. Miguel Ferreira. Um, indeed, yeah. Um, Bob Morton himself, you know, and again, another, I think, a really underrated actor. He's always, he was, he's a character actor, and he's, he's yes. one of those ones. Yes. I need, I, need, I need somebody in the background who's going to be, Reliable on point, and Miguel Ferreira. I've I've always thought. I, I don't know if you've ever seen. Um, have you ever seen The Guardian? Um, is the, the Australian w- film? No. The is it the is it the, the um, William Peter Bratty film about the the nanny and the possessed tree? Right? Yes, yes, yes. It's it's not it's not a great film by any stretch, but he's he's really good in that. And yeah. of course. He was um, well as a, a lot of the cast that he's an alumni of uh, Twin Peaks. Yes, and more importantly, one of my other favourites favourites is Deep Star Six. Deep Star Six. Deep Star Six, the one about the giant crab under the water, and he he, well, he, he has one of that's... the <laughs> one of the best deaths ever. <laughs> I'll take your word for that. He dies. That, he tries. He plays a really slimy sort of character in there, and he tries to escape. Um, yeah. And he's sort of, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of uh, miles underneath the water, and yeah. he jumps into this, um, like this escape submarine that hasn't been sort yeah. of depressurized. And as he's going up, he he dies of the bends. 
lovely. Oh, it's, honestly, it's it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And of course, he was in um, one of the Hot Shots movies. Yes, he was in Hot Shots too, wasn't he? Yes, he he's, he goes war. You gotta love it. There's something yeah, like that, yeah, isn't yeah, absolutely yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, the He'll other have to one. Me move. Sorry, what? no, you I, carry on. You keep moving. I've had an injection in my knee this afternoon, oh, so I've got to nice. keep. <laughs> I've got to keep moving about, so uh, <laughs> sorry if it just gets a bit weird, right? No uh, worries. Yeah, sorry, mate. Is uh, you would say it. The other one is Ray Wise. Ray Wise, Leland Palmer. Yes, and here he plays Leon. Um, yes. Now the scene where he gets dragged out by his hair just yes. looks so painful. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what that is? I that's Verhoeven taking his time, isn't it? Yes. Camera over him. Yes, he's on a dolly. Yes, we know he's getting pulled along. But the thing is, Peter Weller's taking his time. Paul Verhoeven's <laughs> taking his time. So it adds to the sheer agony. And Well, it's like anything in this film. It's so... It's so... Um, this is something that I've noticed. Do you know when Robocop is actually introduced? There yes. isn't like... There isn't like a big flashy moment for it, is it? No, he no, no. He walks into the police station. He goes behind the frosted glass, and you, then when you do see him first proper, he's, he's literally in the cage, being sat in the chair. And he, yes, yeah. But the thing yeah. is, the pace of the film doesn't change at all. No, not at all. Not at all. And that's what that's brilliant because it's shot at Robocop's pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. He, he, he's he's not running a hundred miles an hour. No, he's he doesn't walking. need to. No, exactly. So that the film is actually shot, I think, in with Robocop's pace. Yeah. Which yeah, is meant yeah. which is mad when you think for an action film, it's actually quite slow. Yeah, yeah, no, completely, completely. And I think one of the you know, and when you actually look at the big action set pieces, um, I mean you look at the scene in, you know, the drugs factory, his yeah. movement is so precise and yeah. so clinical. And actually, um, there's so much going on around him and there's so much gunfire and there's, you know, everything is going off. But at no point do you think, right, this is a slow scene. But actually, no. He, he, no. he doesn't get above a sort of, you know, a, you know a, 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 just a, a walking pace. Nothing is ever rushed. Exactly. And that, that, that's actually one of, my, my, one of my thoughts as well, is that that actual scene is shot from about 10... 10, 12 different angles because you go from Robocop's point of view to being up on the balconies, down on the floor, yeah, up yeah, on the yeah. stairs, you know, and it, it, well, this is that cool shot and everybody literally, he's got his back, he's facing one way and he literally puts the gun over his shoulder because he knows there's somebody behind yeah. him and shoots them, like, yeah. you know, but it's so intricate. Well, it's not intricate. It's not even, I don't think it's even a difficult shot to probably set up. No, but it's no, just right. the way it, it's, it's done and, a lot of that, I think, is down to Peter Weller again, isn't it? You know, his movement. Well, part of the, with his movement, he uh, worked with a really, I can, and the name escapes me now, but he worked with a really famous uh, mime artist. He worked with the same one who Bowie used to train with. Yeah. That, that's an interesting one. You know, yeah. The, um, it, um, oh, I want to say something. Uh, I, I know who you're referring to it, definitely. Yeah. He, he trained with them. And one of the things that they found, they spent they spent quite a bit of time working together with with each other. And then suddenly, yeah. they put the suit on him and yeah. lots of the movements he couldn't actually do. But the one thing slow. it did was slow him down. 
That's right. And that sort of that, that and gave him that mechanical robotic movement, which is which is well, it, it it's it's part of that characterization. Because if you think about it, the only thing that's really doing a lot of acting from Robocop and Murphy's point of view is his chin. That's right. That's right. And it's like the um the Batman dilemma, isn't it? Because they actually always play Batman. You only ever saw that, isn't it? You know, and yeah. And there's me covering my eyes. <laughs> We're talking a, on a non-visual podcast. That's yeah. clever, I've got to be honest. <laughs> However, yeah, but... now that you've done that, your secret is out because I've never seen you and Batman in the same room together. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I can assure you I haven't got Bruce Wayne's bank balance. I can assure you. <laughs> Fictional or otherwise, all right? Um, I tell you, one member of the cast that we haven't mentioned yet is Paul McCrane. Emile, yes. who or uh, the I guy you ended up in ER. I'm not being funny. I was a huge fan of ER. Huge, <laughs> huge fan. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Right. You mark all you want. Paul McCrane in ER was absolutely brilliant. He was, for want of a better word, the bad guy. He was yeah. the doctor who made all the shitty admin decisions nobody else wanted to do. Yeah. And he was a complete prick on yes. screen right yes but the thing is the moment he came on screen right everybody else was just cowering because he just chewed it completely away yes the man is a brilliant actor brilliant, he's a great, brilliant. great character actor because if you think about it because you do absolutely detest him um because his character is so sleazy and sl- so slimy you yeah. just want and i think the the group, one of the, my favourite scenes is, and we'll get into the, we'll get into it a little bit later. Is the bit where he's filling, where he's holding up the garage. Yeah, you a college boy. <laughs> yeah, and that poor boy, you <laughs> sat there doing his geometry. Yeah, you know he's yeah. doing, he's doing yeah. his geometry, and then he taps yeah. him. You know, and he's holding an Uzi, and you just think, yeah. oh, this is going to end so badly. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Great, great scene. And the first film we probably saw him in, yeah. Prior, prior to this, and you can probably say, no, I never saw that as a kid, but you probably did, was Fame. No. He played, um, when, he was in the original Fame film, and he played the kid who had um, bottle caps on the bottom of his trainers so he could tap dance. No. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's in that, definitely. definitely. Now, side note about fame is everybody thinks about fame and they think of the song and dancing in the street and everything else. It's a really miserable, dark film. Oh, it's depressing as shit. It is so bleak. Yeah, It is unbelievably bleak. Definitely. And Alan Parker made that, didn't he? Yes, he did. He did. You, you know, he sort of, you know, you don't, you know, obviously Alan Parker made Bugsy Malone. Um, yeah. But yeah. With oh, fame is so miserable. Yeah. And Bugsy Malone, music by Paul Williams. Phenomenal. Who did Phantom of the Paradise as well. I, do you know what? I was listening to the soundtrack of Phantom of the Paradise this morning when I was on the running machine. I, I love it. Absolutely brilliant. Amazing. We, we've, we've brought that up once or twice as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. I think that's pretty much all the cast. Yeah. There. I you know I mean it's a it's a and like even like some of the sort of the smaller members of the cast, yeah, are you know are memorable and like you're talking like for me one of the best scenes is the opening scene where 
they you just sort of you get the sort of the introduction, you get the television bit um, where they talk about um, Clarence Bodica being linked to another police uh, shooting, and then you cut to the police station, and it is chaos, and yeah. it's all going on around them, and sort of Murphy walks in, and then you go back into like the changing area. Which again, Paul Verhoeven yeah. gets his sort of communal sh- communal shower thing going on, which bingo, yeah, which gets everybody <laughs> yeah, in yeah. there. But when yeah. you look at the actors there, none of them are sort of like it's not like Starship Troopers where everybody is body beautiful. It, no, it, you know, there's nothing sort of um, salacious about it. This is no. where everybody works. This is where everybody gets suited and booted. And matter you know, of fact. And then you've got the one guy who's on about striking all the time when he's got his belly hanging over his towel. And yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it is, it's a brilliant, brilliant scene. And it looks genuine and real. Authentic, isn't it? Yeah. And another, another one more character, uh, sorry, one more actor I've got to bring up is um, Felton Perry, who plays Johnson. Yes. Bob, Bob Morton's right down man yes he, he actually he was in robocop 2 as well wasn't he he was yes he had a bit of a bigger role didn't he but um he almost steals the certain parts of this film there's yeah. a, a line or or, or a, a gesture or and you just can't help but be sort of swept along with it and it's only when yeah. you think about it after it's like again we've seen this film hundreds of times oh, yeah but it's there's certain little things. He says one thing in this film, but every time I see it, it makes me laugh. And it's when, do you know when um, we introduce Robocop from Robocop's point of view? Yes. Bob Orton goes, I want to introduce you to the future of law enforcement. Ladies and gentlemen, Robocop. And he, they all start clapping yeah. and all the rest. He's like, yeah. come on, come on, that's for you. And, um, <laughs> and Johnson leads in and he goes, go Robo. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> He's automatically giving him a nickname. You yeah. know? He's already given him a nickname. Like, and then there's another part later in the film. Um, the look he gives um, Dick Jones when Robocop comes out and says, you know, I've directed four. I can't arrest someone. Yeah. CP and, yeah. All this. and he looks, he gives him daggers. Yeah. The thing is, it's, unint- it's unintentionally funny. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the thumbs up he gives at the end oh, as well. <laughs> My other one that makes me laugh is where he said it tastes like baby food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looks, and you could see he's genuinely pleased to be trying this stuff. He's enjoying it, isn't he? Oh man, he's brilliant. He's young. He is the young son hero almost in this film. Fair play. I mean, he is. And again, um, (coughs) it's a great, great performance by a great character actor, and it gives this film a lot of light and shade and it brings certain certain elements to it that if it didn't have some of the lightness to it or some of the humor to it um i mean it's a bleak film anyway but yeah it is it's sort of it, it does sort of it helps lull the audience in a little bit yeah and i think that's why the, the, the satirical ad breaks are put in just to sort of show the absurdity of modern day life in the future but shot in 1987. Yeah, yeah, completely. You and know, I mean, because the one I love is the family board game. Oh, Nukem. Nukem. Oh, my God. Now, have you ever thought, God, I would love to play that at Christmas? Oh, yeah. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. 
You crossed my line of debt. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nuke them. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. Can you, can you imagine? That's probably Donald Trump's dream, dream board game, let's be honest. <laughs> it's, it's the satire. Even though we talk, we're talking a film that's coming up to 30 years old, the satire is, is prevalent and relevant now. It's, well, it's uncanny. It's The one thing that I think is really really scary actually about this film and it's and it's the mark of any any good sci-fi is actually it's a film that's not sort of aging it's kind of it's kind of here and now yeah and absolutely one of the things that was really quite scary about it was the scene uh well the, the, the other scene when you talk about the sort of the privatization of like the public sector and obviously yeah. you've got OCP, you know, this this massive corporation who buy the police department. Yeah. And actually what happened not long after this film was released and the Michael Moore documentary, um, Roger and Me. It yes. Talks, it, it, it goes into a bit of detail about this. But actually a private company ran the Detroit Police Department for a period of time. Which Mental, is it? just is terrifying when you think about that sort of idea of private contractors yeah. running yeah. a public sector thing. And I mean, it kind of when you look at Robocop on the surface, on surface level, it is, um, you know, it's an extremely violent film, <laughs> extremely violent. God, yeah, man. Um, but it's a it, it's a it's a far more intelligent film. Besides, yes. you know, besides the sort of, you know, the attack on on Reaganism and Reaganomics and that idea of, the, you know, the rich getting richer and the poorer getting poorer, um, you know, you look at it from the idea of sort of, you know, you've got this this private sector, you know, what happens when it gets its hands on the public sector and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you see the police and when you look at the police, they start becoming more and more sort of um, militaristic, um, but, you know, you look at what's happening around them and you look what's happening around the world right now, actually, you can see this change happening and you can see the sort of, you know, when like when the public sector starts to fail, you know, you get people who's, and you get a failing economy in, you know, with it. And you talk about like failing economies. I mean, Detroit is a classic example of a failing economy. Um, yeah. You know, and you've got this sort of, You've got these public services like the police and, you know, things start getting stripped away from them, like manpower and resources and all those types of things. And then it helps sort of um, like it helps, you know, the, you know, these things are the things that sort of hold society together. But actually, they start falling apart around them. And what happens well, is you get the sort of not to get too sort of uh, too political on this, but you get this sort of this right wing sort of violent authoritarian approach taking place, um, yeah. you know, and that's where you get the sort of the Ed 209s and you get the Robocops. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's sort of predicted quite, you know, yeah, quite yeah, cleverly well, what's, what is happening around the world right now. Well, yeah, it's like I actually work without going into too much detail for the public sector. So I've seen things happen 
firsthand, yeah, you know, yeah, lack, yeah. lack of resources, lack of finance, you know, lack of bodies on the ground, shall we say. So, you know, there is that, you know, this prevalent and, you know, it, yes, it was predicted 29 years ago, whatever. But yet, as you say, these things hovering here and now around the NHS, around, yeah, you know, yeah. privatization of police forces and it's 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 frightening it is frightening in that respect you know because you you go you go you go to the cinema i don't know and and we'll watch the video for us like you know and it's it's escapism isn't it you know you want a bit of you know fantasy just to sort of you know not have to hark back to the the reality isn't it yeah but then when it starts coming about then and it's (laughs) then it's like what the hell well i was what the hell I was in London last summer and I was there at the same time that they were unveiling the new look of what the armed response units were going to be in London. And when you look at those images, they all look like they've just walked off the set of Robocop. (laughs) Because to say that they are tooled up to the nines is an understatement. Yeah, well... Unfortunately, given recent events, you know, this is what's almost demanded now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't board well, but, you know, we're talking about a film about a robot policeman, you know me, so... Yeah, (laughs) and obviously, let's not get too deep into this, but... No, 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 it's... it's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 scary, scarily practising, isn't it, you know, and... Yeah. There's a couple of films that have sort of, you know, sort of said these things, but then... Not every film sort of predicted DVD like Robocop did. No, no, exactly. Exactly. The bit where he pops in, you know, we get to um, the Clarence Botnicker paying uh, old Bob a visit. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's, that's in my top five kills, as you requested. Yes, so, well, uh, actually, it brings us quite nicely. Segway. You see this? We're even segwaying, ladies, and that's how far this, this podcast has come. <laughs> top five kills. You're so... Right. Um, we'll do we'll do five to one. Five to one, yeah. No, right. uh, go, on, go on. You go first. You you shoot first. Oh, go on. Your number five. Okay. Right. Number five is Clarence's death. Right. Okay. That big metal spike was never going to be used just as a <laughs> USB. Was it? Just be honest. I got to be you know, honest. That, that... In terms of health and safety within in any kind of department, how, where's your USB? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and just in case I get itchy my ear later. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that'll work. Uh yeah, and it's brutal. And yes. It's it's graphic and truth be told, it's only what Clarence Bodiger deserved yeah. ultimately, isn't it? Let's be honest. You know, he's been a bit of a tinker throughout, doesn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, and he's a bit of a naughty boy. A bit of a naughty boy. So I think I think the death certainly reflects, you know. Um, what what he deserved, yes, what he deserved. You know, whether we love him or not, you know, he was a bit of a prick, and um, <laughs> he, he, he deserved to have his um, his throat USB out. So, yes. Um... <laughs> now, my number five is Murphy's death. Yeah. <clears throat> it really? is, yeah, that's my number five. Just the whole thing. That's my number five. 
just be, you know, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant death. Um, and I remember watching it and being absolutely sort of as a kid watching it and going, oh my God. Um, yeah. But that's my, yeah, but, but I... Murphy's death is my number five. <laughs> you probably don't think I'm a very nice guy, <laughs> do you? Buddy, I think you're slime. <laughs> See, I got this problem. Cops don't like me, so I don't like cops. <laughs> well, give the man a hand. <laughs> He's all yours. <laughs> 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 all right, look out. Turn around, man. Hey, three boys. Hey, over here. <laughs> Sort of, you shot me, but there, uh, but there we are. You know, each to their own, isn't it? Yeah. Um, my number four is the aforementioned um, Bob Morton death. You know, yeah. You may be successful. You may have two very attractive women in your house. Well, you actually, may be a lot. looking back on that, they're proper ropey. Sign of the times, who? Sign of the times. Woof. You know. <laughs> It's the green leather jacket it is, isn't it? it? Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. It's not yeah, good. Yeah. Um, 78 televisions in your living room. Um, <laughs> lots of re- re- a lot of recreational drugs are not going to save you from a grenade, is no. what this film tells you. No. You no. know, and um, it's not nice. It's extremely um, unpleasant because as soon as um, Clarence utters those immortal words, bitches leave. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's gonna go south for Bob Morton very oh, quickly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it is very, very And it's the very noise brutal. where he has his legs shot. Oh yes. Oh. oh my god. And even with the silencer on. Yes. Oh I've <laughs> saved some for me. Don't worry. <laughs> Must be the champagne. Stay here. How you doing? Uh, uh, uh. Bitches leave. Uh. Gee, Bobby. Bye. You gonna call me? Uh. What the fuck are you doing? Do you know who I am? 
feel so cocky now, do you, Bob? Whatever he's paying you, I'll double it right now. You know what the tragedy is here, Bob? We could have been friends. But you wouldn't go through proper channels. You went over my head. That hurt. But life goes on. It's an old story. The fight for love and glory, huh, Bob? It helps if you think of it as a game, Bob. Every game has a winner and a loser. I'm cashing you out, Bob. Oh, oh I'm Winston. I can't believe Winston of that. Oh, brutal. Dull, man. Dull. What's no. your number four? My number four is Emil takes a bath. Toxic waste bath. Now, the, the we got to give props here to Rob <laughs> Bottin and his phenomenal makeup for yeah. that scene alone. It is. I remember <laughs> one of the first times I proper watched Robocop. I was going to Austria on a school trip, right? <laughs> and oh, course, how times have changed. <laughs> yeah, right, and the. We are, and loads of people took videos and whatnot, and <laughs> somebody took how the hell the teachers let us watch these films on a on a you know we're talking like a a two and a half day bus drive to Austria, right? We went through Animal House, oh. um, <laughs> yeah, Animal House now, right? Oh my god, Animal House, Aliens, Die Hard, RoboCop. Uh, you name it, we saw it, right, for that era. In teaching, and... we refer to them as the good old days. <laughs> yes, 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 very much so, I imagine. And um, I always remember, because I hadn't seen Robocop, um, and I'm watching it, and that scene coming about, and literally staring at the screen, going, that man is in a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> It's and his face is melted yeah. off. His hands are melted off, and it's the sort and of the, still ma- the, the noise eh, he makes. The noise, yeah. Eh, yeah. Oh my god! And, he, but, and he's like how he's like howling yeah. as well, isn't it? Oh my god! At the top of it all, then he gets run over, 
and he just oh, doesn't he get just... run over, he explodes all <laughs> over the screen. He cries out to one of his associates, help me, help yeah. me. And what does he say? Get off me, man. <laughs> and runs away. Oh, my God. It is brutal. Yeah. In the extreme. Oh, oh it is. man. It is. It is. It is brutal. Um, What's your number, number three? My number three is possibly the most, oh, well, death ever committed to celluloid. Now, if I was going to a board meeting, uh, <laughs> knowing that I was going to get shot by a walking microphone with armor, qual- uh, sorry, army quality weaponry on each arm, yeah. I think I'd be a little bit more, you know, worried than that these people are when Kinney gets completely yes. blown away by yes. the walking microphone. Yes. I mean, oh my, as we said earlier, the version I watched again. It must have been the extended version because I certainly do not remember a shot. Um, you remember it being shot and him landing on the, the model of yes, um, this, Delta, Delta City. City. Yeah, yeah. But I, I certainly don't remember Ed Twenty still unloading on him <laughs> to the point where his legs are exploding. Well, it's the. I mean, it's the noise. It's yeah. the noise of that gunfire going off, and the fact that it's... you know he hit, he gets lifted off his feet. He lands up, and he just continues to shoot him. You need an arrest subject. Mr. Kenny. Yes, sir. Would you come up and give his hand, please? Yes, sir. Mr. Kenny is going to help us simulate a typical arrest and disarming procedure. Mr. Kenny, use your gun in a threatening manner. Pointed at Ed 209. Yes, sir. Put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You now have 15 seconds to comply. You are in direct violation of Penal You now have 5 seconds to comply. That happens every week in a meeting. Like, I mean, no, it doesn't. But this is the best bit of it. When all of that is going on and Dick Jones turns around to the old man and the old man delivers quite possibly my favourite line in the entire film. And he just says, Dick, I'm very disappointed. Dick, I'm very disappointed. (laughs) 
not yeah. what the fuck have, has just happened. Yeah. Oh my god, that. we've killed a man. Yeah. I'm disappointed. And not, and not only that, the, the, the tech staff goes, somebody phone an ambulance. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Actually, of course. I think a we mop, can... a scraper, and a lot of bleach is probably the best thing you're going to need. But like, nobody is affected by that death at all. No, no. Nobody, nobody. It's the, the most... Oh, well, that, that happens. Oh, it's the God, way, really? And the other line that comes up after him, after sort of, you know, sort of oh, Bob jumps in and sort of says, oh, we can be ready to go to this. The old man turns around and says, I'll have a presentation in an hour. Right, hang on now, guys. Right, let me let me just sort of let, let's go back. This we just watched one of our own staff. Now, I got to be honest, the amount of paperwork I have to fill in if somebody falls over in the building, right? What, what what's HR gonna say? Uh, health and safety, good old health and safety. <laughs> uh, as a, as a result of health and safety training in my employment, I did used to know. The year where blue asbestos was stopped manufacturing. Ah, now you see. I now, did. This is the other scary thing. We used to fill our schools with asbestos. <laughs> we we went to those schools. Yes, which explains a lot. Exactly, as I'm talking out of my third mouth. Yeah. Anyway, um, going back to um, the old man. Yeah. He, he's never referred to by name throughout no. the film. No, he's not. And he is. He's also played by the late. Daniel O'Herley. He is indeed. Who I happened to come across. I was I was bored the other day. I came across a film on film four um, with uh, Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. It was like a medieval thing, right? It was yeah. shit. I'm not yeah. going to lie. It was dreadful. <laughs> but Daniel O'Herley was in there, and I was like, "Oh my god, the old man from RoboCop is in a film that was made that- like sixty years ago." But he was also in. One of the weirdest films ever made. Come on then. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. No, Halloween 3, that's Henry, by the way. That's the big white dog. Um, so <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, that's all right. But yeah, Halloween 3. Um, I like Halloween 3, you mind? I, I've got a lot of time for Halloween 3. It's a bizarre film, and I don't know why they ever called it Halloween. Well, I do know why they called it Halloween 3. Is because... Yeah, Carpenter wanted it to be a different, you know, a, a different sort of Halloween story every Halloween. Yeah, yeah, but what a bizarre film! Oh, completely what a weird film. I, I remember seeing it quite young, and you know, wait, watching it and waiting for Michael Myers to come on screen. Exactly, and that never happening. But we've got these creepy little masks that kill the people who wear them. Yeah, and snakes come out of the head. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? What's that going to do with a psychopath with his big machete? And his William Shatner mask. Yeah, yeah, which is terrifying in its in its own sense. <laughs> exactly. What, what number? Right. We are, what What's number? Your, which one are we on? My number, that was my number three, kidney. Now, mine was Bob Goes Boom. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Bob <and> Goes Boom. <laughs> my, <laughs> my number two... Uh, also yeah. leads to one of the most quotable lines of Can you fly, Bobby? Bobby! Can you fly, Bobby? Clarence, no! Hit it! Ah! 
<laughs> because it's now, just so harsh. Yeah, I I didn't put Bobby on the list because I thought the five that I picked were brutal in their own respect. But the thing, this like again, Kurtwood Smith just chewing the scenery, yeah, in the, or yeah, chewing the chewing the back of the band, if you want to, you know, for a better word. <laughs> But right, it, you, you immediately you know Clarence Bodica is not someone you are gonna fuck with in any way, shape, or form. No, no. Even if he does look like a geography teacher, <laughs> or disrespect the geography teachers, that man is a bona fide psychopath. Yeah, and again, the noise Bobby makes when he hits the windscreen. Oh. And he's dead on impact, and he's yes, like, you know. Yeah. They, oh, and what did the police do? Did they try and save his life? No, no. they push him off and chase the car. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is not the done thing. I can no. assume. So, anyway, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is the event that starts it all, ah. <laughs> and, and that is the death of, oh, the death, yeah, in inverted, in inverted commas, of um, Alex Murphy. Now, I. Again, like I said, when I first saw it, the sheer ferocity of the yeah. death yeah. of yeah. Alex Murphy hands of these total psychopaths um, who don't use handguns when they do it. No. They're using pump-action shotguns. Yes. They blow his fucking arm off. <laughs> yeah. Never mind his hand. Yeah. They get they get his arm. Yeah. Now, if that isn't fair warning, oh, actually no, they do use a gun at, right to the end when they've had all their fun, and Clarence decides, "Nah, you've suffered enough. Now I'm going to shoot you in the brain." Yeah. I mean, oh dear, dear God. Um, my number two, actually, Emil was my number two. Right. Emil was my number two. Murphy is my number one. Yeah. So what what was your number two? Um Kenny versus Ed 209. Yeah, and what was your number one? Uh, that was, oh sorry, uh, my number two, sorry, was Can You Fly Bobby and uh, Kenny um, versus Ed 209 was my number one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean it plastered throughout my notes where my little things scribbles are. It's like um this film is so violent. Oh my god, this film is really, really, really violent. violent. And then one of, one, of, one of the things I've got at the top then is the version I watched for this research is possibly the most violent film I've seen in ages. <laughs> I never remember it being this violent. No, it, film, this film didn't get cut by the BBFC, which is which is incredible actually when you think about the BBC's the BBFC's <laughs> general reaction <coughs> to most good, things. Good God, yeah, exactly. I mean, Christie banned The Exorcist for twenty five years because they. They thought it was two um, people that still couldn't handle it. Yeah. But no, we'll, we'll, we'll release Robocop. What? Yeah. Done My that. number one was uh, Kenny versus... Kenny. Kenny, Ed uh, 209. Ed 209. Doesn't end Mine well. was Alex Murphy's brutal, brutal, brutal death at the hands of Clans Bodinger and Chance. Yeah. Oops, now, sorry. what's absolutely... What, what I, the other thing I really, really love, and... Tarantino does this as well is the blending of humor with violence. Yeah. And... We'll give the man a hand. <laughs> <laughs> because one of the uh... things that it actually does is it it draws the audience in and sort of 
almost makes the audience member complicit in the act of the violence because we had sat there, we're watching, you know, we're chuckling along when Murphy has his hand blown off and, you know, or when, uh, can you fly Bobby? And he sort of launches him that way, you know, and we're com- completely complicit. Or the, you know, the, the scene where those two guys uh, try and attack that woman and the one ends up getting, yes. getting his nuts blown yeah. off, you know, yeah. When you think about it, it's you know these are really harsh violence, but we're still chuckling along with them. Yeah, and it's almost like it's there to soften the blow. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Some some directors would perhaps get that spectacularly wrong. And there's By been the way, a few. Probably, yes, it has. But when you've got somebody like Tarantino, when you've got somebody like Paul Verhoeven, who know what. The scene, yeah, it may read one way on the page and on the yeah. paper. You know, it, it's 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 going to read a way. But the thing is, ultimately, you're talking about the death and murder of people in quite possibly some of the most gruesome ways. Oh, yeah, and you're I mean, talking about the attempt, the, t- the attempt rape of somebody. Yeah, yeah. But because he shoots his cock and balls, off, it's hysterical, <laughs> and everybody's happy about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wow. I mean. That takes some, you know, what's the, what's the word, chopster, you know, some yeah. balls to do something like that, doesn't it? And I mean, chutzpah. That's uh, chutzpah. 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 That's it. Chutzpah. My, I, chutzpah. I've got a, I've got a slight smattering of Yiddish since uh, playing, uh, <laughs> being in Fiddler on the Roof <laughs> a while ago. So, uh, <laughs> All right, to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, this idea of like the the, the blending of the humour and the violence. And I mean, it does, it really challenges an audience. It really, really does well, challenge the audience. Well, we, 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 we've discussed in the past, you know, about um, the, 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 the want of, you know, everything being that much more extreme. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. You know, no sort, no, 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 no sort of, you know, um, consequence sort of, um, how, can yeah, this, yeah. how can I word this? It's like we, we we discussed previously about this French new wave, the yeah, yeah, new yeah, wave yeah, horror, yeah. about the extremity yeah. of it, and you know that is there to show you people suffering. Nothing more, nothing else. That is what is there yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where, whereas you know, perhaps in these times, people are a little bit more um, willing to watch because yeah. they're desensitized to everything, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, but it's like it's like TV shows. Um, I mean, some of the stuff that's on TV some of the best stuff on TV is showing your favourite character being executed. Yeah. In possibly the most graphic way you could possibly well, never imagine. If you think about shows like, you know, The Walking Dead, um, yeah. Game the, of Thrones. you know, Game of Thrones, and they do that. I, I think Game of Thrones does it better than The Walking Dead because it's kind of got to the point with The Walking Dead where it's the end of the season and you know one of the main characters is going to get bumped off. Yeah. Yeah, and sort of. Don't get me wrong. We've we've we talked about this off, off yeah, there before. Yeah, yeah, about yeah, the Walking yeah. Dead, and it took it took a better better part of like sixteen episodes for the Walking Dead to sort of. Yes, they're all reeling from the death of two main characters. At least, yeah, dead, right. And they were killed in possibly the most horrific way you could possibly imagine. Yes, uh, but you know this. You know they sort of reeling from that. But the thing is, when they're reeling from that, they're talking about what they're going to do. But the thing is. It it took so long for that to do. Um, yes, you know it, it took a lot. It took too long to get there. And yeah. In the end, when they start kicking ass, everybody thinks, "Oh, Walking Dead is brilliant again." Now, one obviously we've talked a lot about this, and we've said it's a film that is 
really, really quotable. What are some of your favourite lines in this? I'm not going to lie. I have got two pages of quotes. <laughs> two, two pages. I literally, as I was watching the film, I was thinking, right, that's my favourite one. And it went, it started off with like, fuck Jones. And just yeah. gone from there. And it's like, <laughs> you burnt the fucking money. Yeah. Can you fly, Bobby? And even yeah. doing the Clarence Borger voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, cops don't like me. So I don't like cops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, give the man a hand. Oh, yeah. I mean, dead or I, alive, you're coming with me. I love dead. Or, I love that line, dead or alive, coming with me. I think it's an absolutely, br- and it's delivered so well because it yeah. could be an. And when, when you think about these lines, they could be an absolute stinker. They could yeah, be an absolute tosh, they, they? Oh, could, but they're delivered so well, and the timing on them is absolutely perfect. Yeah, and it's it's almost um, it's harking back to like a Western sensibility, isn't yes. it? Yes, you know, well, he's the gunfighter. You know, he is the gunfighter because he does that thing with the gun, doesn't he? Because his kid likes the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So you know, and it it is that sort of Western attitude, the, the cowboy attitude, isn't it? You know, from the copy and the the sheriff in town, isn't it? Yeah, and the new sh- the new sheriff but, in town. Oh, yeah, exactly. Who doesn't last the shift? But no. hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but oh, there's so many one liners in this film. It's um going back to Murphy's death. Does it hurt? Does it hurt? <laughs> oh, so, yeah. I mean, the other one that automatically people quote all the time. I'd buy that for a dollar. There was. <laughs> there was a parody account set up on Twitter um, in the name of the actor who actually plays um, uh, the, the, the guy yeah, in the yeah, 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 Big, yeah, yeah. Bixby, Bixby yes. or something. His yes, name was. that's right, yeah. And if you, if you, if you quoted something from Robocop, like something along the lines of Robocop on telly, Instantly, this account would go. I buy that for a dollar. <laughs> you had loads come up on my Twitter <laughs> feed. Like, I mean, we've already and said there was, it. A, there was a parody into an island as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've said you know. I mean, this film is just littered, littered with you know with incredible quotes. Um, and I mean, like you said, you got two page. I mean, we could probably do an entire ca- podcast on quotes just from this film, and you know, it's astonishing, isn't it? It is. It is just incredible. I mean, we mentioned the other thing as well, which I think is really worth mentioning, is Rob Botton and his special effects work. Now, people remember Rob Botton from, of course, The Thing, uh, where he created yes. the visual effects. But I think his work here is absolutely spot on, even down to like the sort of, I know we've talked about sort of, uh, the, you know, the toxic waste scene and those type of things, but also um, the yeah. The little bits when, like, Robocop takes off his mask. Now, some people sort of go, well, where's yes. the rubber chin guard and everything else go? You know, But actually, when you look at the detail around, around the face there, it is, it's incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, I mean, it took, um, and I know sort of Botton didn't have a lot to do in terms of the actual suit design. Um, but obviously, the, you know, he, he played a part in when getting him ready and getting him in it. It took um, Peter Weller nearly 10 hours to get into the suit and into makeup. Now, that, before his yeah. day had even started, it's just incredible. Because yeah. the, the suit they built initially was much more blue, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. When they were yeah. when they, when they doing like the, 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 
tests and the suits and the costume and whatnot. It was it was quite um, quite bright for a film that's you know set in an industrial city, isn't it? Yeah. So it, yeah. it's it's it, it sort of stood out, and yeah, ultimately it becomes um, titanium or whatever it is. You know, after it, when they decided no, it needs to be toned down a bit because I think in Robocop two, it, it, they changed the color of it, didn't they? It becomes bluer. It beca- and yes. What's interesting enough, the lighter. Robocop's sort of suit becomes the lighter the films become and the lighter the TV series and those type of things. Absolutely. You, Absolutely. You know, it's quite an interesting take on it. Yeah. Sort of talking about Robocop 2, I, I've never seen, I'll admit, I've never seen Robocop 3. As soon as I saw Peter Wilde wasn't in it and that Robocop can fly, I did sort of no, no, it was a no go. And I've never, I've never, in fact, I don't know where anybody either has seen You've probably seen it. Um, I have seen it. And yes. it's it's dire. It is absolutely <laughs> dire to the point where you kind of it's like you know you you'd you sort of you, you, you at that point you think right come on enough's enough now because you know this is really really run its course. You know yeah. you you are training you squeeze every single thing out of it, and then you get the sort of you know the yeah. They further sort of piss on the, the the burning remains of Robocop with the TV series, which, oh, oh. Again, again, I saw them making a Robocop TV show and I thought, oh man, how it's, can you go from something which is like at the, one of the pinnacles of modern, modern times, even for 1987, even now we're talking about films that is, you know, a, a genuine action sci-fi classic. Yeah, yeah, completely, and, completely. And, and have it completely sadly. It was a kids' TV show as well, wasn't it? It was, there was a cartoon series. I mean, there's, I mean, in terms of, like, the, the Robocop universe, you've got, you've got Robocop 1, you've got Robocop 2, you've got Robocop yeah. 3, you had the TV yeah. series, um, you had multiple, multiple sort of comic books about it. Um, yeah. And you've got like Robocop versus Predator. You've got Robocop versus the Terminator. Um, yeah. And actually, some of those books aren't too bad. The Robocop versus Terminator one is actually not not a bad. The artwork isn't the greatest in it, but actually, it's not a bad book. Um, right. But it's it is the, the you know the curse of diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of franchises like that, isn't it? You know, but yeah, and. It, it's like going back to Rob Martin and like you know, when, you th- when you think about Robocop as, as it was, like an adult film, because like you say, when they take the, the helmet off and everything, it's like it's not a guy in a skull cap. No, know? it it's, no. it's it's somebody who's half human, half robot. And yeah. you can see the wires connecting, you know, everywhere. And it's it's it's, it's incredible. Even now when you watch it now, it still it doesn't works. date. It it's it super it really, really doesn't and yeah, there are the, the odd nineteen elements, nineteen eighty elements, and you know neon in the nightclubs and everything. Yeah, albeit uh, this one scene, but you know, I think other than that, I think everything else really does stand up. Now, the the other piece for me, which is you know, which is what I love, is the theme tune. Oh, You've got the Robocop. Now, who Basil Basil Polidoris? Basil Polidoris. He Polidoris. He also wrote one of my all time favorite film scores of all time. the barbarian yes i mean i have you know i've got it on my i've got it on my phone um i listen to it you know i'll i'll say i'll be honest with you when i'm training when i'm in you know when i'm lifting 
I mean, <laughs> when you get I, your Arnie on. <laughs> hey, have you seen my T-shirt today? Have you seen what I got on? Oh, is that from Pumping Iron? No, this this is Come With Me If You Want To Lift. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't see the bottom part of it, so I can only see the top. Yeah. You know, I you know I'm a, I'm a totally I am a total unapologetic Arnold fan. Um, <laughs> he can he cannot do no wrong in my eyes. Um, I mean, Hercules from New York was pushing it a little bit, but we've all I've got, got them. I've got two words for you. Come on then, Terminator Genesis. I do you know what? I refuse to watch it. I managed. 45 minutes and gave up. What a pile of shit. Oh, it, it, it's quite sad, really, isn't it? And again, it, it, it's it, because the guy who directed it, Alan, um, he did um, the second Thor film and he did loads of episodes of Games of Thrones as well. Um, Alan, oh, is it bloody name? I'll have to dig that out. We'll dig him um, out now. Yeah, like he, he directed some of the very best of Game of Thrones, like, you know. And uh, it's such a piss poor movie. It yeah. really, really is. Like, and it's, it's it's surprising. Like, you know, we talked about this how the creative process actually works. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how it's something like that can be allowed to happen to you know what is a beloved franchise? Yeah. Regardless, you know, the first two terms qualified classics. Part three has its merits. It's not brilliant. Mm. You know, it does have its merits. To me, the salvation is... Look, let's be honest. Anytime Muck G shows up, <laughs> you know you're in trouble. You know, you can imagine where they're all sat around the table and, you know, they're having the conversation. Well, and they've gone, who's going to direct? Who's going to direct? And they go, Muck G, and everybody goes, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, will, I will say, Muck G, as I don't know whether you've been watching it, the Lethal Weapon TV show. I can't, no, again, I can't bring myself to do it. I did it with curiosity, and I must admit, I'm really enjoying it. It's really, really good. But, you know, once you get over the fact, yes, it's not Mel Gibson, yes, it's not Danny Glover, right? Take it for what it is, and it is a good buddy TV, a cop show. It really, really is. Hmm. Now, bringing it back round then to Robocop, <laughs> the, and, and the, you know, Basil Polidoris, the score... I, it's it's incredible because it's it's full orchestral, you know. It's got you know the big sort of brass section, and it gives the film. You know, we talked about the movement and the pace. It gives the film its pace. Yeah, it does give it its pace. And like, but one of the scenes, one of the pieces of music I love in it is where Murphy has gone back home. Yes. Yeah, and he has the flashbacks. Yeah, and and the music in that, and it builds and builds and builds yeah. t- till he puts his fist through the. Uh, the screen, yeah, you know, it is, it's, it's class. Yeah, it's, it is brilliant, and it's, it. We we talked about it with the music of Alan Silvestri, didn't we? Yes, with, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when it it propels the film, and it, you know, um, it, it is bombastic. The, the soundtrack is loud. It's and com- it is, yeah, you know, it's unapologetic. It's it's yeah. right in your face. Yeah, but it doesn't. So it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't like like with the predator thing. It it, it ticks it along, doesn't it? But yeah. with this, yeah, it, the music is going, you know, when you've got everything else happening around. But the thing is, it, the film still is Robocop's pace, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And yeah, and it's brilliant. And <laughs> slight anecdote yet again. I remember once the advent of having um, jukeboxes in uh, pubs that you can select yes. MP3s and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
been out with a couple of mates once on a rugby international, and one of the boys saying to me, "If we could put any piece of music on on that jukebox, but there," and I said, "Yeah, you know, the world's oyster, go for it, man." He put on the theme, the the opening theme of RoboCop in a pub at six o'clock on a drunken Saturday, <laughs> <laughs> and to say half of the room went, "What the fucking hell is this?" <laughs> to the rest of the people going, "Who we'll pull RoboCop on?" Who we'll put Rob? Nice oh, one. boys! Who we'll put nice RoboCop one. on? <laughs> yeah, that was it. To a T. To a T. And it, well, yeah. And that, that, if that doesn't tell you anything about how good the score is, then nothing will if you're well spoke from the valleys. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, we've got to move on. We're going to be sort of rounding this up now. Is there anything else that you want to sort of you want to bring up, or do you think um, we haven't covered, or because we've got quite a we we've been. We've got quite a bit going on, yeah. I know. Um, I wanted to bring up the couple of the couple of the scenes in the film. Um, the point of view scenes from Robocop's point of view are brilliantly done. Brilliant. Oh yeah, brilliantly yeah, dead. yeah, yeah. Um, it's not flamboyant. It's not flashy. It's it's just matter of fact. Which is when you're a a, a robot policeman, it's got to be, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. Just show, <laughs> It does show what it is, and especially like the flashback sequences as well. Yeah, I thought that's brilliantly. Done. Yeah, um, the shot of Robocop crawling away when he's being attacked oh, it, by it, it's the Frankenstein moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is the Frankenstein moment. It's brilliantly shot because it's 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 all backlit, isn't it? The, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The cars behind, and you see him like crawling on one hand, you know, whatever. everything, and it, that that is an amazing, amazing shot. Um, I don't think we've even got on to. I know we got on to like uh, nuke, the new command, yeah. <laughs> but like the, the, the new segments throughout the films, and yeah. Verhoeven's done it a couple of times, isn't he? he did it with yes. Total Recall. There was a couple of things in Total Recall where advertising was, you know, with prominent front and centre stars yeah. troopers as yeah. well. Oh God, yeah, prominent, <laughs> prominent and um, front and centre. But the thing is, it's like going back to that thick layer of satire going throughout the film. It's the it's... black heart of the film, isn't it? It's and it, oh. and like when you look at some of the segments where it talks about the sort of besieged uh, city of Johannesburg, yeah, uh, and sort of and then it talks about uh, Nicaraguan rebels, uh, and then th- then it cuts nicely into the the heart surgery element. Yamaha, <laughs> you pick the heart. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like, but it, what you find then is as well with those adverts is because they're dripping in irony and satire, and, you know, and it's just showing America, you know, this is how you actually are, this yeah. is how you go in to be. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's it it, it it it's 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 almost pointing out the stupidity of how things become. Isn't oh, it? it's you know it is you know it is it, and in so many ways it holds a mirror up and it still holds up very very yeah. Well. You know, because you can just imagine, can you, you know, family sat round watching, you know, just before X Factor or some other tosh comes on and, you know, they've got, you know, they suddenly talk about a besieged city or, a, you know, a terrorist event happening or yeah. a police strike. And then they cut yeah. straight in, you know, go straight back to, you know, Simon Cowell's horrific smug face. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it is, it, it's so biked in. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, and it's like it, it does going back to Starship Troopers. It's, there's a couple of things in Starship Troopers, you know, we're, we're aware of alien life form, isn't it? And mm. Starship Troopers, mm. 
and you see the part. <laughs> this is the advert. Uh, these people are doing their part, and you see a group of kids stamping on a bunch of cockroaches, yeah, 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 yeah. and the woman going absolutely berserk, going, yes, oh, yeah, literally pulling her hair out of the sheer thrill of killing, you know, and a, and a creature that's got nothing to do with those giant slugs on Clendathu. No, no, no. It's it, and again, it's sort of, it's that sort of hysteria that gets whipped up yeah. with it all and like the yeah. glee the yeah. glee of other people's you know sort of and, it, and again it goes back to that idea of sort of uh, what where do we stand on violence and what's our idea of violence and a certain types of violence okay yeah well at that time in the 80s there was a lot of films coming out that were being questioned about the sheer volume of violence in them wasn't it this, oh yeah this Completely. this um the second Rambo film, um, yeah, Die yeah. Hard, you know, and there's countless others. It's like it was the the era of the one man army films. Like oh Mark yeah, yeah, massively and all that so. nonsense. Yeah. And you know, and it, I, when I when I read then, well, like I said earlier, about the BBFC not cutting anything out of this film. I mean, Jesus Christ! It's like. This is one of the most violent films ever made. There's oh, it no, is. There is. There's no two, two ways about it. It's not. It doesn't glamorize it like some films do. It's not it's Commando. The, no, <laughs> nothing is Commando. No, nothing no, there are very commando. few things Command. I mean, even no. when you look at like, uh, I mean, if you look at, you know, you look at Rambo Three. Now, if we any, brought this up before, we have. If anything is the glamorization of violence, it's Rambo Three. But it's a shit. <laughs> it is terrible. It is terrible. Awful, it is terrible. Awful film. I mean, yeah, and it's like uh, I just I don't I don't I don't understand how the with with the kitchen being there, with Robocop, all the violence is a necessity to the story. It's a yeah, it, it, it drives and propels the story. Yeah. It it shows well, brute force will be met with brute force. Yeah, yeah, and again, yeah. it's a it's a theme actually that does sort of, you know, that does echo in a lot of Verhoeven's films, and particularly, you know, the, the, you you can compare the sort of you know this between this and Starship Troopers, where they actually say that you know in Starship Troopers they're a bit more blatant about it, where they say that you know oh, yeah. violence is the ans- is is the ultimate use of political force, which yeah. is quite true here, which is quite true, and it's reflected in this. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, the amount of parallels between this and Starship Troopers, when you do actually think about it, it's startling, albeit Starship Troopers is next to no bad language in it. Yeah, no, there's very, very little. Very, very and, little. Yeah, you may see people die in horrible, horrific deaths at yeah. the hands of, of, of giant cockroaches, you know, being literally flung into the middle of 48 of them all trying to get the piece of you. Yeah. You know, and it's just mental. But then when you think back to the, the sheer veracity of the violence in this, it's just mental. It's, it's very man. visceral, isn't it? There's a very real yeah. level to the violence. Yeah, well, it, this is, you can say the same about Total Recall as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm basic instinct. All these films tend to have a very high level of violence, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you know, know it's, you know, even his early stuff. Um, yeah, it's there is that. Was it? Yeah. Subway is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Subway, but I know that you know there is a. It has its moments. Yeah, Christopher Lambert's in that, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, uh, the, the Scottish French Dutchman. <sighs> I can't. I, I, I'm gonna. <laughs> I, I'm putting it out there now. I think Highlander is a shit film. Oh, it, it is saved by one redeemable feature, 
And that is... Um... Sean Connery's wig. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you mean the, the, the Greek Cypriot? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's indemnified by the great... Um, the guy who plays the Kurgan, Clancy, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. The great Clancy Brown redeems that film to a certain level. You can forget about the Queen soundtrack, I'm sorry. Highland, <laughs> Highlander is a poor film. I don't care. I really don't care. I do not. I've never ever seen the attraction, the understanding that, that makes Highlander a good film. Yeah. It's rubbish. No. It's shit. <laughs> it has its moments. Now, so rounding, the, rounding up this segment on Robocop, um, what, you know, how, where do you come down on the score on this one? Where do you come down on the score? Uh, I think certainly the, the impact it probably had at the time because I was on when I first saw an advert for Robocop as a kid, I, I was convinced the Robocop was a 12 15 film. Yeah, I was convinced, yeah. I was convinced it was like a kiddie friendly film. When it, when it finally came out and you saw 18 certificates everywhere, it's like, well, hang on now, that can't be right. Yeah, and then when you actually see it, it's like, Jesus Christ, it, my youth is gone, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I think I, I, I'd say this is probably Paul Verhoeven's best film. I, I think it is. I think, I think you're right there. I think you're right there. You know, I think it's all the elements working correctly and proper together. Not that to say his other films aren't great. I mean, um, Total Recall is a great film, I think, yeah. personally. Um, yeah. Star, before I mentioned Starship Troopers, I think it's probably his second best film. Yeah. Even, even I, I've seen, I don't know whether you've seen The Black Book. Have you seen The Black Book? I have the seen film? Black Book, yeah. yeah. It's, I really, it's a good film. It's a good, yeah, good, it's really a good film. Good film. It is a really good film. No, I, I, I do think the sort of impact Robocop sort of had in Hollywood. Yeah, it was, it was a big film, you know, it was a big yeah. hit and everything. But, you know, it sort of showed sci-fi at another, at more adult level and I probably hadn't been seen for a while. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and it probably showed that sci-fi can be both exciting, both violent, and still have things to say about a time and a place here yeah. and now. And... Yeah, I think it's relevant. It's it's a it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film, and that's well, you know thirty through our thirty years this year. Then yeah, thirty years old this year, you know, and it doesn't look dated, and that's a sign of a good film. No, completely agree with you. So come on then, let's. Uh... Where are you uh, gonna come down on this film then? Where are you gonna score it? Um, I think it's gonna be a nine, definitely gonna yeah. be. Yeah. Barbie, it's 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 it's. I don't want to say it's the pinnacle of 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 a certain type of genre of film because there aren't many that type of films that this is a genre of. The only other means it when it's something like the Terminator franchise that yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as as it's, as itself, it's, it's brilliant. It's yes, it's violent. Yes, it's 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 adult things. But the thing is, it's enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it is a good film. It, it, it is, it's a superb film, and for me, it's a nine out of ten. It's a yeah, nine out of ten. It's 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 brilliant. It's brilliant. And the thing is, we've talked about so much, but there's so much more we still could talk about. Oh yeah, we. I mean, we could go on. I mean, we've been going on now for nearly an hour and a half. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and I think we, you know, we, I think we're just about scratching the surface on this film. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, there's probably great essays out there about, you know, oh, there's, the levels. There's some brilliant books out there. There's a brilliant book um, that's out by the BFI uh, called Primal Scream, which is all about science fiction. It's absolutely superb. Brilliant, oh, yeah. brilliant, brilliant book. Really, really good. Um, and there's a really good section on Robocop in there. Um, there's another one by the B, uh, by the BFI is, I've got it here, is the Sci-Fi Chronicles, which is a collection of essays and things. And it's absolutely superb. Um, some really, really good stuff out there on it. Cool. But it's what, it, it, well, again, if, 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 if print has been dedicated to the film, you know, I think it just shows, just shows the levels that, Robocop is at still, and that's that's saying an awful lot, really, isn't it? It yeah. really is yeah. saying an awful lot. There is one thing I did forget to mention about Ronnie Cox. <laughs> yeah, he's basically playing the same character in this film in Total Recall. No, you're right there. It, they are the same. They are the same one. They are the same. Both, both complete utter shit bags. He's very good at it as well. Oh, yeah, it's exceptionally good at it. So but he was the first first person to die in Deliverance. So. <laughs> so, you're scoring this a nine out of ten, same as nine me. Out of 10. Definitely, definitely. Now brings us to my next section, which is a newer section on the podcast, which yeah. is what the Wookie watched this week. So, up first on what the Wookie watched this week is a slice of Ozploitation. That's right, 1982's turkey shoot. So before we get into any other details, let's check out the trailer. This is Radio Freedom. Every day, more and more of us are being sent to the camps. More and more of us disappear or die. The government calls us traitors or deviants because we oppose its ideology. And then it tries to wipe us out because we believe that we have the right to be ourselves. Then it justifies its policies by talking of a work ethic, community obedience, social conformity. But what it's really saying is accept slavery or die. The time has come to fight back. God, don't give up! Don't give up! Fight for yourself! Fight for your tongue! Oh, yes. It's real. Sure it is. Tomorrow you can walk out through that gate and never come back. You'll be legal. All you have to do is lead my guests on a chase for one day. Little sport. I get it. A little hunt.
So, <laughs> Turkey Shoots um, was directed by Brian Trenchard-Smith with a screenplay by John George and Neil D. Hicks. Uh, it stars Steve Railsback, uh, Olivier Hussey, Michael Craig and Carmen Duncan. And the music is by none other than Queen's own Brian May. Um, this slice of Australian dystopian exploitation is a violent, campy, stiffly acted gem. <laughs> the story is a combination of The Running Man and quite possibly every sort of concentration camp movie you could think of. Um, there is copious amounts of nudity. There is um, a ridiculous level of violence uh, to the point where it is just it's just comedic. Um, it's well known that uh, Olivier Hussey, while making this film, absolutely had the most miserable time. She hated being in the Australian outback, um, and there are times you can clearly see she's not a happy camper. Um, it is a crazy film. It is an absolutely crazy film. I mean, the fact that you've got um, Olivier Hussey, who, of course, played Juliet in Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet, riding a mini dumper truck with a machine gun on the top, shooting uh, the camp guards and uh, chopping hands off with a machete, kind of gives you what sort of uh, ballpark you're in. Um, truth be told, I really enjoyed it, but it's so violent. Um like I said, to the point where it's silly. And I will give this one a 6 out of 10. And it's streaming at the moment on Shudder. Okay, next up, we have got Night of the Dead. Now, Night on this classic uh, is spelt with a K. Get it? As in Medieval Night. So, and this was released in 2013. So let's... um. Let's, let's check out the trailer. In 1349, there was a great pestilence and mortality of men in the kingdom of Britain. Father, are you here? Stay back! You must make haste. I'm afraid you've stirred up a hornet's nest. They were four men of war, traveling with the priest. We will find them. We will kill them all. We will bathe in their blood. I hope you know where you're heading, priest. It smells of death here. This land is cursed. So many. Demons. They're living dead. As long as you carry the cup of Christ, you will never survive. I am sorry. We could not save you, my friend. So, like I said just before the trailer, Night of the Dead uh, 2 was released in 2013 and it was directed by Mark Atkins. Uh, it was also written by Mark Atkins. Uh, it stars Feth Greenwood, 
Vivian Villea, uh, Lee Burnett, and Dylan Jones. Um, as you can probably tell, I, I, I feel kind of mean about this because nobody ever sets out to make a bad film, but um, these guys are kind of abusing that privilege. Um, the storyline is a band of crusading knights escort the Holy Grail because that Grail doth move around so much um, through a land, through a valley of uh, which is plagued by plague, really. And of course, with any kind of plague during this time, you obviously you get zombies. Um, it was shot in North Wales, um, and it's it's a low budget affair. Um, it's essentially what you get is um, it's eighty two minutes long, which feels like about three hours. And yes, I sat through the entire eighty two minutes of it. Um, it. It kind of feels like your local LARPing group got together and said, "I know, let's make a film." Um, what do we need? Well, we need zombies, we need boobs, and it has got the most cringe, cringe, cringing sex scene you've ever seen. It is awful. Um, and I'm going to give this a 1 out of 10. And that's being really, really polite. Um, avoid. Just avoid it. Avoid it. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's utter rubbish. Just avoid it. Now, next up, we have got Humanoids from the Deep from 1980. Let's check out this beauty. They're coming. Humanoids from the Deep. A tidal wave of rampaging creatures surges from the dark and violent sea to conquer the earth. Maybe intelligent enough to perceive man as a competitor. Why the girls? It's my theory that these creatures are driven to mate with man now in order to further develop their incredible evolution. That's enough to scare the hell out of me. Soon the world will awake to a terrifying riptide of humanoids from the deep. We think we know where these things come from, but we have no idea how many there are. The Earth plunges into a battle for the survival of the fittest, where man is the endangered species and woman the ultimate prize. you hide anytime you stop they will find you Doug McClure and Terkel Vic Morrow humanoids from the deep Now, Humanoids from the Deep was released in 1980. It is directed by Barbara Peters and Jimmy T. Murakami. It was written by Frank Arnold and Martin B. Cohen uh, and William Martin. Uh, it was produced by the legendary Mr. Roger Corman. And the music was by legendary composer James Horner. A lot of pedigree in this film. Um, it stars Doug McClure 
uh, Vic Morrow and Anne Turkel. Um, so what's the story behind this one? Well, as you probably guessed from the trailer, it is about um, a scientific experiment that goes badly wrong and unleashes a army of half-men, half-fished monsters on a small fishing village. Um, this is... It's a funny film because it's like the creature from the Black Lagoon, um, but he's brought his friends all along with him, um, and they just all happen to be... Um, well, sort of all sex offenders, really, um, because they're they're just after young nubile women to impregnate to make sure that their uh, their species doesn't die out. Um, this is a proper slice of Roger Corman exploitation. Um, there is this part of me that found it all a little bit tasteless at times, um, but. With the exception of where things really go awry um, towards the end of the film, um, I really quite enjoyed it. It had some really, really good moments in it. Uh, Doug McClure is his usual stoic self. Um, but it does, like I said, it, it's all a bit rapey, um, which kind of sort of leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. Um, and I won't give the end in a way, but it's it, it, it's an absolute belter. Um now, where would I score this one? I would probably score this as a four out of ten, and I would say if you like you, if if you're a Roger Corman fan, then you know you know what you're getting into, um, and you can I think you can stream this on Netflix, uh, particularly Netflix in the UK. So it's a four out of ten, and stream it when you get the chance. <laughs> And we are back just to sort of wrap things up on episode 13 of the Undead Wookiee Robocop following a slight technical glitch. Um, huge. Huge. Um, and unfortunately, my sort of IT department, which is mostly me shouting, swearing and hitting things, didn't, uh, were unable to solve the problem. Um, so uh, we're here now probably what? Three days? Two days? Two days later? Yeah, about three days. About three days now. So, first of all, I want to say (laughs) thank you very much, my man, for coming back on. And uh, No worries, mate. It was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Just to wrap things up. So, once again, hope to have you back on soon. Thank you ever so much for being on the show. Indeed. No worries. I just want to say... I give a shout out to the late great Bill Paxton, who passed away in between um, us doing the last uh, pod- podcast and this one now. And huge, huge actor in many, many a film. And um, I think it, it, I think that the sad thing about his death is he only ever made one film as a director, and that is the yeah. incredible yeah. frailty. Do you know, know what? Which... I have not seen that yet. Oh man, it is such a good. It's amazing, and it um, it's got an early McCollinhay performance, and um, it's, re- it's it's it. I won't say anything about the film. Just watch it. It's terrific. It's. I will uh, add it to the I list. I, I know everyone. Everybody I know who's seen it just comes away from it going, "Oh my god, that's tremendous!" And he never made another film after uh, directed another film after making that. Such such Which, a talented actor, though. Such a talented actor. Oh, oh, tremendous! I mean. The thing is, some people just think he's he's like a like a go to guy, isn't he, for a yeah, certain role? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, if you want somebody, yeah. if you want somebody slightly arrogant or smarmy, yeah. Or, uh, uh, 
Hang on. Oh, you're bringing unlikable. But the thing is, the guy was such he had such that uh, charisma that he you couldn't help but just be attracted to him. Like so. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just, it's what a real I will shame, say, real, real shame. But uh, what a what a legacy is. Stick around after the credits of this podcast, and there may be yeah. some. There may be something for Bill Paxton fans. A little something oh, I've been cool. working on. So once cool. again, cool. Thank you so much for being on. Hopefully, we'll have you back on soon. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, have think about soon. that one. I'm, I'm, put, I'm just putting it out there, right? But... <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we, I'll be back. I, I'll be back in the infamous words of um, James Cameron. And, um, <laughs> I, we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do one. Um, it might not necessarily be what we think it is. Yes. Just say that. Yes. Right then. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on, my good man. Take care, my friend. Take all the best. Thank you very much. Ta-ra. Right. Well, a bit of a mammoth show this time round. Uh, once again, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank Mr. Lick Winston for being on. Always a pleasure. Um, I do realise that we kind of revert to sort of uh, foul-mouthed 14-year-olds uh, when we're together, so, um, which, is always, which is always interesting to listen back to. Guys, I hope you have enjoyed listening to the show. Once again, thank you for the tweets. Thank you for the follows. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, I really appreciate it. Please leave your comments. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, I'm always, always humbled by your responses. As always, I've got a couple of shout-outs. Um, I want to give a big shout-out this week to my glamorously gothy gal pals, uh, CL Raven, who are going to be at the Whitby Goth Festival um, week after next, I believe. Um, and they sort of, you know, they got their own stand there. They're going to be selling their uh, their books and a few other things there. So, guys, get yourselves if you're in the at the Goth Festival, get yourselves over to them, say hi, because um, they are they're very friendly uh, and their books are excellent. They're really really good page turners. Um, as always, I want to say a big shout out to my man uh, Blake at Spivey Point. Um, that's Blake at Spivey Point. You can find him on Twitter. Again, if you're looking for somebody to follow, he is always posting some um, some great stuff up on there. Um, and again, my pal CJ um, over at VHS Revival. His blog, you know, excellently written, really, really well written, really good stuff, really insightful. Um, of course, I want to say a big thank you as always always uh to dr shock himself mr dvd infatuation um mr dave becker thank you very much for your retweets for your support um absolutely love your blog so again guys get yourselves over to there at dvd infatuation um i want to give a big shout out to all the people on the horror movie podcast so that's uh, that's dr shock that's Josh Legary. That's uh, Jay. Jay the Dead, by the way. I uh, hope you're, you know, if you do listen to this, I uh, hope you're feeling be- much, much better. Jay has had uh, heart surgery, so I uh, hope it's all going well for you, buddy. Um, and again, guys, thank you all. Also, if you're looking for another excellent podcast that is far better, but uh, well, there you are. I'm tripping over myself now. I've been going for the best part nearly two hours now, so I'm all a little bit slap happy. But guys, get yourselves over and listen to Cadavercast, um, awesome father and son team. It's a brilliant, brilliant show, um, and I love it. It's a great this. So get yourselves over and listen to um, 
cadaver cask. And also, I want to give a big shout out to Gregor Mortis and um, Shani Dreadful and everybody over at the Land of the Creeps podcast. Again, great show, guys, for you to follow. Um, next up on episode 14, so we're going to be off the unlucky number 13, we're going to be looking at 28 Days Later, so I'm a little bit excited about that because it's one of my favourites. So, all that's left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Dracula, good night out there, whatever you are. <laughs> That's great! That's just fucking great, man! Now what the fuck are we supposed to do?